I think one thing I would say, just really embracing failure because with that barrier of failure in your mind, when you're doing things, you're never going to be able to reach your full potential and do something groundbreaking that you might be capable of. Because again, you might be in that room and you want to pitch in that idea, but you know, there's this part of you that's, what if someone judges me or what if I embarrass myself? I'm not going to do it. Or, oh, I have this idea. Potentially it would be really hard to build out and it'll probably fail. Um, it's addressing a really big problem. Other people are working on it. They can do it. Um, and so taking that initiative and being okay with failure, because if you are doing an experience where you can fail, then chances are you're going to learn. You just heard from Nyla, a 15-year-old. Yeah, you heard that right. A 15-year-old passionate about sustainable energy who's doing some amazing work. At this incredibly young age, she's published a book on Amazon, done some cool research on nanotech for solar panels, and joined the Knowledge Society, the organization changing how we educate tomorrow's innovators. Today's episode explores how she's been able to do so much so young. And if it interests you, check out episode 41, our interview with the founder of TKS, Naveed. One final note, if you're interested in partnering with our podcast, please email us at info at nextgenerationpod.com. We're always looking for ways to increase our impact. Enjoy the episode. You are now listening to the Next Iteration Podcast with your hosts Fuad and Damien. If you like the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. We hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, so one of the exciting things about being early on in a podcast journey is that you are constantly aggregating a list of firsts. And we have like a virtual like plaque, virtual plaque on our <laughs> podcast wall where we keep that list. So you're going to be the youngest person that we've had on the podcast so far, which is a unique honor. So congratulations, <laughs> but it's our honor to have you on. But at the same time, I think it's really valuable that we're doing this right now. Um, not even just in this space, but I think just in everything, young student voices tend to be left out of a lot of the important conversations that people are having uh, across just various domains. So maybe we can start there, actually. Why do you think that it's important that people hear your voice and the other peers that you have? What do you bring to the table? Yeah, I think oftentimes students' voices are just overlooked because you're younger, you can't, you know, do these cool things. But when these students are given the resources and said, like, they're told, okay, we're going to treat you like an adult. You do have the capability to do this. You do need to work hard, but you have that capability. Then students can do a lot. And from a young age, I think the best time to start is at a young age. And, but age is often used as a barrier, right? It's not used as like a leverage. It's like, I'm young, so I, I can look into this when I'm older. I can look into networking when I'm older, investing when I'm older, but really you can start these kinds of things now. And um, that's just compounding. And I think that's really important. So when given the resources, students really can do a lot of insane things. And so I'm really excited to be representing students' voices um, on this podcast. Um, and, and yeah, thank you for having me again. Of yeah. course, yeah. One of the, uh, so I listened to the episode with Naveed, which I unfortunately had to take a sick or a rain check on, I guess. Hopefully we have monitoring in the future, but um, I, I was listening to it. One of the things he mentioned is the importance of adopting 
habits that accrue compounding interest on it, right? Like there are certain habits you can adopt now. And over time, it's just exponential gain that you're getting on it. And especially, it's especially important to do that the younger you are, right? And what are perhaps like some of those habits that you started implementing now? Like you're so young and you're accomplishing all of these things. What are some of the things that underpin all of that success? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think one thing is networking um, because usually when you hear networking, you just think of adults doing that. Um, but that's actually really important and it's important to start now as well because growing your network is a really important uh, a kind of thing. What I realized this year is that you can go on LinkedIn, you can message all these insane experts and you know some of them won't respond, but some of them actually will. And you can gain so much value from that. And you can go on calls with them. You can, you know, they're, they're spending their lives doing this this topic that you might be interested in and you have so much to gain from that. And what's also really helped me is mentorship. So I'll network a ton with these people. Um, and then if I really look up to them or they're, they're doing something that I'm really, really interested in, sometimes I'll ask them to mentor me. And so I've had some really amazing mentors this year and they've helped me to grow exponentially. And mentorship is really important because again, you're gaining that knowledge, but it also opens up doors potentially down the line that's not the point of it but you could if you show that you can work hard then you know internships potential jobs things down the line other opportunities so that's one thing that I think is really important networking and the second thing I think is important is just producing high standards work in general. So you can start writing articles right now. You know, you can start building decks and building projects now. Um, you don't need to wait to make impact because a lot of the time people are like, I want to make a difference. But how how are you making a difference? Because you can start now. You're, you just might be using your age as a barrier. And so mm -hmm. if you identify a pain point and you want to build something, then, then try and actually build it. And you have to get past that failure mentality because that's something um, that blocks a lot of people from doing amazing things and not reaching their full potential. So training these mindsets, that's another thing. I think training mindsets like boss mentality, figure it out mindset, embracing failure, gratitude mindset, all these things that's also very, very important. Um, and that's just a leeway into being able to do these cool things that you might want to achieve. Let's dive deep into the, the networking thing that you mentioned. First off, those are great tips. I think it took me a long time to realize that networking was so important. Actually, I didn't start networking until Damien hit me up for a coffee chat, my <laughs> very first coffee chat ever. Thank you very much, Damien. Uh, way back in in 2018, I want to say 2018, 2019, something like that. Um, so it's it's crazy that you're starting so early and, and respect to that. Um, I think you're definitely going about it the right way. One thing I want to dive deep into is when you're when you're a young student, for sure, uh, your mentors are extremely important to you because yeah. they help guide you know the way you think about things, the, the way you interpret the world around you and the goals that you have. So who have been the most impactful mentors and, and where did you find them? Yeah, well, so I joined the Knowledge Society this year, um, as you mentioned, and we each have like cities each have a director. And so my director is Ian Lockhart. Um, and he has been such a mentor to me, like he will open up one on ones, like when I have questions, um, not only it's not like in a niche technology area, it's more just life in general and mindsets and helping me grow um, and, and helping me out with different challenges and projects that I'm working on. And so he has been absolutely incredible. Um, and that, yeah, so he's just awesome. And then um, another thing is 
people I've reached out to on LinkedIn, some people I've gotten to, to mentor me. So I've been mentored by someone from Commonwealth Fusion Systems who has been amazing because I've delved pretty deeply into fusion energy this year. And so she was my mentor throughout fusion as I was building projects and trying to understand like the physics behind it. She was a she was absolutely great. And then um, in nanotechnology and solar energy, I was working on those kind of the intersection. So I had um, a mentor in kind of each. Um, so one of them was the CEO of Nano Explorer, and then the other was a professor in photonics. So those have been my three mentors within STEM, and they have been very, very helpful because, again, they're putting their entire lives toward this thing that you're interested in. They know so much. You have so much to learn. So mentorship is definitely super key. How, how did you, um, like, how did you find good mentors? That's something I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about sometimes, like, even at this age, like, um, I think it's it's hard to pick and choose the right mentors, right? Yeah. Like somebody might look good on paper, but what really matters is your relationship with them. And yeah. uh, I had this conversation with Dr. Hadar, who's on the podcast as well. And and he mentioned how, um, you know, it's a mentor isn't there to tell you what to do. A mentor is there to help you understand what you want to do and encourage you to go do that, right? So yeah. have you like attracted the right kind of people in, into your mentorship circles? Yeah. So I always like, what I do is I'll go like on LinkedIn. I'll be like, are you open to a 15 minute Google meets? That is, that is a line. And people will be like, yeah, sure. And so I'll, I'll hop on with them. And if they're super interesting, if I really love what they do, be like, would you be open to going on another call in a few weeks? And so, you know, maybe they'll say yes. And then you, you talk to them through different calls. Um, and through that, you, you kind of, um, you'll, you'll see if they're a good fit for you, if you guys have a good relationship, um, if the calls you're gaining a lot from, then it's worth asking if they'll mentor you. And some people are, are like scared of failure when they turn to mentoring because they're, what if I ask them to mentor me and they say no, but again, it's just like the benefit is much bigger than the downside. The downside is they say no, not that big of a deal. And the benefit is again, all those opportunities, all that knowledge, all that wisdom, this cool relationship. So I would say definitely the benefits outweigh the downsides. And that's really important to think about in, in mentorship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So taking that first punch, like not being afraid to send that first message. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Um, so one more question on, on, on sort of this like area of mentorship, because uh, it's something I'm, I'm super, super fascinated about. Yeah. Who, who do you look up to the most in your life? Like outside of mentors, outside of, um, you know, probably your family, your parents, like who, who are some people you want to model your career after? Because that's something I've been thinking about a lot. That is an interesting question. Um, there are many different people in my life, but so this isn't like any of my family members, any of my mentors. Interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Just maybe someone you don't even know, but that's like shape the way you think about things. Yeah, I think there are a lot of cool people. I would say Elon Musk and the things that he does um, and the way that he thinks is just so different. And I definitely do look up to that because he does just think unconventionally. He does come up with these groundbreaking ideas. Um, and that's not through just taking a regular path and thinking in regular ways and, you know, being like, okay, I have this idea, but, you know, it might, it might not work out. So let's just not do it. Like he, his ideas are pretty out of this world and they end up being pretty crazy. So I kind of aspire to have those kinds of ideas and, and you know, that, that perseverance and courage um, and those kinds of characteristics. So he's definitely somebody I look up to um, who I definitely do not have not talked to or not, but you know, maybe one day. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have, and you know, the trajectory you're on. So. Yeah. 
and like on the note of doing unconventional things so i guess pretty much everything you're doing at your age is unconventional at this point i think that's like a safe thing to say uh also like i wish i was half as well spoken as you were when i was your age like it took me starting a podcast i wish i was half as well spoken now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you definitely need to start a podcast too at some point i actually uh, am starting a podcast so there you go oh no Just way more, more accolades yes. into that belt <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's so let's talk about uh, one thing I'm interested in is what you're doing at Stanford. You, so again, like I, Stanford just seemed like this, this fairy tale land when I was in high school. So, what are you? How did you um, end up getting into the research that you're doing, and what exactly are you doing there? Yeah. So right now I'm doing a climate program at Stanford. It's the Nifty Sioux Scholars Program there, um, and basically it's a six week intensive program at Stanford where you get to meet with these kids all around the world and you're mentored by professor by a professor from Stanford and they bring in these really cool speakers. So usually people who have gone to Stanford and are now doing things within the sustainability sector. Um, and they just found out about that through my school. They just posted it and they were like, here you go. So <laughs> I was just like, yeah, you know, I'll apply to this. I'm pretty interested in the sustainability uh, kind of field. And so 30 kids were selected from that. And they're all really, really cool. Just networking. There's people from like Egypt, Hong Kong, India, um, really crazy stuff. And right now we're doing this assignment essentially. And it's where you're exploring a sustainability topic and you have to do a survey and then draw an in draw results from that and create an infographic and video summarizing your findings as well as solution to what you found so what i'm exploring is fast fashion and so i i surveyed my my school um i asked them some questions about where they're shot from like how well they how well versed they are with the field and I draw, drew some pretty interesting conclusions from that and so just working on making the infographic and the video right now and I think Stanford is ending in three weeks just sad uh, it's the time change is weird so it's like from 12 to 2 a.m for me um but you know it's fine it's fine because it's an IST but overall yeah it's been really cool I think there are a lot of opportunities um on the web that you know a lot of people just aren't exposed to but taking that initiative just you know looking it up just being like is there a sustainability program there probably are thousands of sustainability programs so um just you know looking it up and just applying and having the courage to do that is important because a lot of cool things can come from that so yeah that's what i've been doing um at stanford for the past few weeks cool and so diving deep into sustainability what got you so interested in, in in the field of sustainability and specifically fast fashion as well yeah so i think i've just always been really shocked at our global fossil fuel consumption. I look at it, I'm like, we, we all know that the cl climate change is near to being irreversible, but what are we doing about it? I mean, we are doing things about it, yes, but it's still such a big problem. And we're nearing that point where we're no longer going to be able to say, oh yeah, yeah, it's in the future. It's not like the, the results of it are just absolutely detrimental. And so I wanted to do something in that. And I wanted to actually build projects and do my part and my my goal in life is to do something within the sustainability sector to help end our global consumption of fossil fuels and so um this year i realized so i knew i was interested in the environmental field but i didn't know what specifically and so just through research and exposure i discovered i was specifically passionate about 
um, sustainable energy. And that's why I looked really deeply into solar energy and fusion energy. Fusion energy is absolutely wild. I really think it's going to be super impactful in our future. But that's how I got specifically interested in sustainability. And then when I went to Stanford and we had to explore something sustainability, I was like, okay, I could do um, energy, but I've already done a lot of projects there. So let me just do something new. And at the beginning of the year, I'd actually done a hackathon within fast fashion, where I'd built this browser extension to help you shop more sustainably. And that had been really interesting. So I thought I would kind of tie it in. Um, it was back in December, but um, I thought, you know, why not look more into fast fashion? It's a huge problem. Um, it is in the sustainability field. And um, I, I've been learning a lot about it. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into that. Sorry, I, I think I think yeah. I froze for a second. <laughs> I froze. Um, no, I froze. I froze. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I I I heard everything you said. That that's that's a really cool story. So, um, like within within fast fashion, um, I guess like on the note of the browser extension you made, like what are what are some ways forward? Because I feel like fast fashion is so like endemic to our society. Yeah. Like it's so easy to choose fast fashion. It's so easy to you know go to H and M. Like half my wardrobe from yeah. H and M at, at times. I feel like. Um, so, so how, how do we get past that, that issue as a society? Yeah. Well, first, I think it just starts with research and exposing yourself because you can choose to be oblivious and shop fast fashion brands. You like sustainable brands, you know, they're just so much more expensive. They're just, you know, we can, we can't do it, but really there are a lot of sustainable brands that are as cheap as some fast or not as cheap, but I, I, I mean, I, if you have like a $30 shirt from H&M, there is very likely a sustainable, sustainably made shirt from a more sustainable brand. And so I think it, it starts with research and just exposing yourself to that. Um, and also like doing the work to look into these other brands that you can buy from, because it may not be as accessible. You may have to order it online, but they are there. There are tons. So just really educating yourself about it and not only fast fashion, but all these other huge topics influencing our world right now. Um, I think we just need to educate ourselves more about that. And so I'll tell you a little bit about my browser extension because I wanted to, to target that issue. And so basically how it would work is you would go onto, you know, an online store and you would click on a clothing article and it would be broken down into a percentage of how sustainable it is. So, um, maybe this is 60% sustainable. And there are these five different factors that are weighed in. Um, and then the other part about it is that you're redirected to a more sustainable clothing piece that's similar in um, quality and you know price and color, things like that. So that way it would just be easier. But there are there, there's not like a, a browser extension that does that exact thing right now, but there are other browser extensions working on helping consumers shop more sustainably. So again, doing the research and maybe looking into that. If you don't know if something is sustainable, you can probably find things to help you decide if it is or not. So um, that's just a little bit what I'm working on right now and um, how, how people can educate themselves more about fast fashion. Yeah, like I, I like the idea of the browser extension because one thing that becomes very evident about a lot of people is that people are lazy. Yeah. They're very lazy, right? And <laughs> Uh, there's this guy, his name's Derek Sivers, and he yeah. has, he's listed, are you, you're familiar with Derek Sivers? Yes, I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, do you, are you familiar with his directives? Um, 
I know that I've heard the name. I think I've done some research into him, but I, I honestly can't place what exactly he does right now. So you might be better at explaining it, but I yeah. have heard of him. He's doing some cool stuff. He, so the idea behind his directives is that very idea that people are lazy. And while there are certain things that you may really care deeply about, and for those things, you would be willing to put in the work, right? Some people are mm-hmm. very passionate about, um, about, uh, like being healthy about working out and exercising. Uh, and for them, you know, they're willing to put in like the hours of time it takes into researching all the minute different things that the new research that's constantly coming out. And for some other people, you know, they just don't care to do that. So the idea with the directives is cutting out all of the, like the middleman, like all the work in between somebody does the work for you. And he's, and the directives are a list of, okay, I've done the research for you. Here's what you need to do. So I've saved you all the time on doing that, right? So he's done that for a couple of different areas. And I think just this is another area that would just really benefit from, from one of those directives, especially something mm-hmm. like it, an area like fast fashion, getting the information is hard sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of um, uh, privacy issues. Corporations don't, wanna, uh, don't want to expose like, where, what different areas they're getting. They're sourcing some of their materials from and whatnot. So there is a lack of transparency there. So something as simple as a browser extension is a powerful directive, right? Because it's so super low effort. You go on Chrome or whatever other less useful browser you use, you just add that extension <laughs> right at the, in the corner and it's just working for you. Now, uh, so this is a bit of a tangent, but uh, so building on like kind of the things that you're doing, I'm just curious to hear more about your experience at TKS because yeah. we've, like heard plenty of stories about how potentially impactful it has been and I want to say Naveed's a little bit biased in his account (laughs) of everything so I want to hear from you as someone who's gone through it's been a year now you mentioned right yes yeah I'm finishing up my first year so how has that year gone and how have you changed over the course that year I'll give you the demo yeah TKS has honestly been absolutely incredible. Like, I, I feel like when I was applying, so many people were like, it, this is life-changing. And I didn't really believe them. But then I went into the program. I was like, this is life-changing, um, honestly, because this is what gave me the resources and the push to be able to actually do something. Because I was one of those people saying, I want to make impact. But what was I doing about it? Maybe not much. So that was like, I, that's pushing you to build projects. That's the main thing. Go and research and, you know, get knowledge and then find your passions and build projects and apply that knowledge. So through TCAS, I discovered I was specifically passionate about sustainable energy, like I said, and there are these things called focuses where you go really deep into, into a certain topic and you have to build projects and you have to network and you have to write articles and you actually have to come up with an idea in the field and write, write out a proposal, make a video, give a presentation on it. So my two focuses so far have been fusion energy and nanotechnology. And within nanotechnology, I was doing all that with solar energy. So I just became so much more knowledgeable um, about these fields. And it forces you to actually get, to some degree, a level of expertise because you've actually built in that field. You haven't just researched, um, you've actually applied that. You've applied that research and what you've learned. I think that's Mm -hmm. really, really important. And then through that, we also get just this amazing community of other 
ambitious students and again these directors and mentors you have access to for the rest of your life and so I've made lifelong friends for sure the people I've met I'm so so grateful for that's just another huge part of TKS the community I love so much um and then the building projects and then they also bring in these cool speakers like CEOs and investors and so you're learning things um that are really valuable and it's not only about you know, being a smart person. It's also about being a good person. And so they put a lot of emphasis on doing something that helps others, but also, you know, brings you fulfillment. It's not about money. It's about doing something that makes you happy. Um, so, so that's another really big thing. And all these mindsets like boss mentality and, you know, gratitude. Uh, so it's just been beyond, beyond, beyond grateful for the program. It's awesome. That's incredible. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah. so, I mean, consider, I mean, that is very powerful praise and for, I'm sure anybody in high school right now, listen to that as well. Like, damn, I need to get into that program right now. I'm, I like, I'm hearing it. I'm like, damn, I like, I, I wish I was in that program right now. Um, yeah. and so for the people, you know, that weren't able to get in, cause it is still a fairly pretty small cohort. Um, what advice would you give them? And it, I don't mean that in terms of getting accepted into the program, but based on the lessons that you've learned yeah. throughout the, the course of it. Yeah. I think one thing I would say, and I've touched on it a little bit before, but just really embracing failure because with that barrier of failure in your mind, when you're doing things, you're never going to be able to reach your full potential and do something groundbreaking that you might be capable of. Because again, you might be in that room and you want to pitch in that idea, but you know, there's this part of you that's, what if someone judges me or what if I embarrass myself? I'm not going to do it. Or, oh, I have this idea. Potentially it would be really hard to build out and it'll probably fail. Um, it's addressing a really big problem. Other people are working on it. They can do it. Um, and so taking that initiative and being okay with failure, because if you are doing an experience where you can fail, then chances are you're going to learn. So I, I think maybe just take it as an opportunity to learn instead of a barrier to success. That's one really big thing. And then with that, it comes the boss mentality, which I love to talk about, but um, it, it's just owning it. And um, I, I think it does go hand in hand with embracing failure because that's when you just say, okay, I can fail. I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm just going to own it. And that's one of my favorite mindsets that I think we've learned about this year, because I think it's really important. Um, so those two things are, are good, good things to always keep in mind. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you've also met some like lifelong friends through TKS, which is, which is insane. Cause yeah. I feel like I'm still not the best at, at making friends online. Do you have any you have any tips for that? Like actually making good, genuine friendships online. I guess David and I maybe because we've primarily had our interactions online. Uh, but this guy's always making uh, new friends online. It's such a lie. No, 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 yeah. absolutely not. So yeah, I wonder, I wonder if you have any advice, especially because yeah. yeah, my little sister, she's actually just starting university now, and like she's been having a tough time too, like yeah, uh, making friends. So, yeah. So TCAS is actually a global program, and what you can do with anyone, you can reach out to someone in Vegas. You could be like. It's brain day. That's what it's called. Brain day. Um, and it's just like, you just get to talk to each other for 20 minutes. Um, and it can be anyone in the program. Like you can brain day literally any of these 700 kids. And so I have, like, I would say my closest friends are, are probably the ones from Ottawa, but I made some really good friends around the world as well. Like I made a really good friend in Boston. Um, and again, that is virtual. Like I'm not going and seeing them. I think it's just about putting in the effort to 
you know, like choose your relationships that you want to keep. If you have like 80 friends that aren't that close and you are moving away and it's, it's virtual, you're probably not going to be able to like be best friends with all of them. But making sure that the relationships that you want to keep intact, you are keeping intact and you are putting in the effort and you are saying, okay, do you want to do a FaceTime this coming Friday? Do you want to do some face masks? I recently Marie condoed my room with um, my friend from Boston. No doing that kind of stuff, um, doing those kinds of activities virtually, you honestly can do a lot of things virtually. Um, and especially in COVID really forcing you to do that. So that's a good practice. But I, I think if you really do want to be friends with someone, um, you you will put in the effort um, and you will make sure that, you know, you are keeping up with them, even if it's just a text every third day, just like, how's your day? Um, that, that, that goes a long way. Yeah, I feel like there's a Enjoy bit of that voice. fear of failure uh, aspect to it too. Some people are just scared to reach out to new people because they yeah. just automatically shut down that relationship, right? They're like, oh, they won't, they won't like me. They're gonna think I'm annoying yeah. for bugging them. They don't know me, right? It's hard to build that report online, but you're, I think you're completely right. Like it takes that effort, and you'd be very intentional with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's incredible that you get to surround yourself like that. The idea, right? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're comprising with other students like yourself that's incredible that you're going to be you guys are going to be changing the world together right and like this might be a bit of an abstract question but what kind of vision do you have for the future like how do you hope to leave an impact on this world yeah so again I just really want to do something within the energy field and I do want to play a role in putting an end to the fossil fuel crisis because it is a crisis like the climate crisis um is huge right now and i want to do something within that so um it might be bringing fusion closer to being commercialized i'm not entirely sure what it looks like right now i have no idea what i want to do with my life right now um it might be something in energy um that's what it looks like right now but i know things change definitely over the next four years of your life and, and past that as well so right now it's just making impact in the energy field and doing something there. I might start my own company. We shall see. I don't really know right now, but right now I'm just focusing on building projects in this field that interest me. So I just did a carbon sequestration project um, and just, just doing things like that and building this solar sun. I'm going to try and actually build a prototype of it um, and being mentored by people in Fusion, keeping up with the news. Um, and then hopefully things will fall into place there. But but that's that's an abstract answer to your abstract question. Yeah, oh, that's a I'm very t- good answer. I'm just yeah. curious before Fouad jumps in and asks his next question, because um, I'm actually um, working on like a bit of a side project right now within the energy space right now as well. So I'm just curious what you're when like when you're taking on a new project like that, what does that that research and development phase look like for you? Like, how are you um, streamlining that entire process? Uh, just the evaluating the feasibility of the solution? And actually, I don't know if you work on this individually or you um, recruit other people to work on it with you. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of that, like, how are you getting other people interested in the project and investing in that solution with you? Yeah, so I'll I'll tell you what a focus looks like, because that's like what I actually built my solar cell 
um, with, with that framework. Um, and it was really helpful. So I, I do do, I have done like most of my projects individually, like those focuses, but what it's broken down into is learn, replicate, replicate, and then create. And so learn is where you have to just do a lit review and, and you read these papers, um, read articles, really get to know the field and then write an article to push yourself to actually be able to explain it. Maybe you don't, you don't have to write an article, like maybe you just go and explain it to somebody else and make it clear. Um, but that's that's a first step. So just really getting to, to know the field in and out. Um, and then replicate. So there's two replicates and that's where I actually like built projects that already existed to further understand it. Um, so within fusion, for example, I built an electromagnet and a mini Tesla coil to further understand fusion on a smaller scale because I couldn't go and build a fusion reactor. Um, and then the next phase is the create phase. And so that's where you actually take. So it, it sounds like hard right now. If you're if you like, okay, I'm going to take this field. I'm just going to build a project in it. It's a lot easier said than done. But with all that research and the projects that you built and all the knowledge you've gained from that, you, you probably now have so many ideas because you've probably identified so many pain points and, and gaps in this market through all of your research. So from there, go through your ideas, you know, draw different intersections between your interests and then start formulating the beginnings of an idea. And then what I do is when I have an idea that I think I might want to pursue, just run it by a bunch of experts. Just, does this work? Does this work? Does this little technical thing work? Um, with Infusion, for my create, I was working on creating a better toroidal field coil, um, which is a really key part of a fusion reactor. And I was doing that leveraging nanomaterials like graphene. And that was something I was working on for, I think, a month or two. And then through networking, I realized, okay, not going to work. So <laughs> that's fine. You know, it was, it's good to fail and everything like that. And I still learned so much from it. Um, and then I, I went on to, to do something else. So it's not always just going to be perfect the first time, but when you have an idea, like make sure you fully understand it and then start reaching out to people who know it better than you do um, and write out a proposal, um, maybe submit it to some competitions. Maybe if you want to build a prototype of it, um, try and get funding um, and, and make videos and try and like actually, you know, really, really market that idea. So that's kind of a breakdown of, of the process for me. This reminds you of like the quote that it's always better to be the underdog because when you're when you're an incumbent, you think you know so much and you think you have this like status and something to lose. But like when you come at it with the mentality of, yo, I'm just like learning shit, copying what other people do and then trying to put my own spin on it. And like iterating on that process is so much easier to do than to be like, hey, like given all this knowledge that I have, like how do I translate that? Right. So I love like the fast approach you take to it. And I love the focus uh, framework that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, def definitely. The more you know, the more you don't know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, like kind of building on what you're saying, good artists copy, great artists steal, right? So we're just kind of building on what's already been done. And I mean, what's helped us is that we are like conventional advice you hear from successful founders is get obsessed with the problem, not yeah. with the solution, right? Yeah. And uh, we've really mm -hmm. taken that to heart to really best understand the problem that we're trying to solve and the people that we're trying to help along that way because if it weren't for that like our first solution we've decided to pivot from if we didn't have that problem-based focus we'd be we'd be just um we just be devastated right now right we'd just be scrambling to try and pick up the pieces but uh it's definitely helps because you can easily pivot 
and you're doing things for the right mm -hmm. reason. I would like to think if you're focusing on the problem, um, because you're thinking about all the other pieces involved in that along the way as well. Um, so it's just a nice little side effect of that. Yeah, I totally agree. What future technology spaces are you most interested in? You mentioned a few things like sustainable energy fusion. Uh, I read your bio on your website, sorry. I uh, did a little bit of you know, pre-interview pre research. Uh, you also mentioned space exploration, which is something I'm super excited about. Uh, so what are the, like the technologies that you think will be like most impactful in the future and like yeah. how are you kind of positioning yourself to, to take advantage of that? Yes, good question. Um, so I think one, the first thing that comes to mind is artificial intelligence. Um, that's just going to impact every single field out there. So I think everyone needs to know about it. Um, I, I, I understand like what artificial intelligence is. I don't think I understand like ML, for example, NLP, I haven't really delved really deeply into that. So that's one of my goals for next year, really understanding the field, because I think it's something worth knowing about for sure, because it's going to impact the future. Um, and then definitely fusion energy. A lot of people may not know exactly what it is, but really, I feel like it's going to, I feel it's going to do something. Honestly, I think it's really going to revolutionize um, our, our, where we get our energy from in, in the next 10 years. So definitely look into that um bcis are really cool I, I again i don't like have that scientific breath in that field but i do know that they are pretty pretty cool um and then blockchain for sure um those are kind of nanotech nanotech of course i love nanotech um but, but yeah nanotech i also feel like is similar to artificial intelligence in the sense that it's going to be revolutionizing tons of different fields if not every single field of work or maybe not every single field of work but i feel like a lot will be um really heavily impacted by nanotech because of its feasibility and and all of its effects just super insane technology right there as well those are those are the the top ones that i can think of right now um but there are many different technologies that that we should be educating ourselves about mm -hmm. and then and then moving on to the second part of that how do you like ramp up on a new topic like let's say ai for example you said you want to take the next year to kind of like dive deep into that how do you approach like a new problem space and, and what are your strategies resources that you use yeah so first i'll read articles and then i'll take that and i'll write my own article on it just an overall kind of broad thing and then um to go deeper into it i find that courses really help so i found coursera really helpful um they just have so many different courses that's not the only platform there are many different kinds but that's something to to get you a bit deeper into that and then from that when you're really interested in it if you see you're really interested in it and you really want to go deep then what i'll do is i'll go through research papers and so within solar i was looking at quantum dots and i it was reading like these uh 100 page research papers um and no it, it was yeah it was like i was research i was looking up every second word on you know it wasn't completely understanding um when i first went through it but i i tried to actually understand it on a deep level and understand you know all these big words understand these big concepts um if you're really interested in it then you know that's something worth doing and then i wrote my own scientific paper on quantum dots um and then that helped me in my project with my solar cell so Yes, researching and then taking a course and then going like deeper into more technical papers that are more niche um, and then still writing your own articles and producing your own content to, to test that you do know this. You're not just consuming it. You're actually producing some of it as well. Um, and then building a project. If you really know the field, then you probably will have a lot of ideas and building projects is the best way to apply your knowledge.
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned writing because that's something yeah. I'm a huge fan of. Like the way that I process information is through writing. I always feel yeah. like, you know, if I can't write an article about something, I don't actually know enough about it to, to talk yeah. about it. Right. And, and it's like the classic, like the best way to learn something is to try and teach someone else. Right. So uh, moving on into writing, because you've done you've done a fair bit of writing yourself. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I, I saw that you wrote a Medium article about like the publishing process and that. So maybe in the description, but tell us about um, like your your writing career, because it, it's crazy. You have like a whole career and you're only 15. Uh, but tell us about your writing career, like how you got started in writing. Uh, what made you want to write the book you did? I know that you're um, writing a, a new series on emerging technologies for, for children, yeah. uh, which is really, really cool. So we'll get into that as well at the end. But yeah take us from the beginning and walk us through yeah. publishing your first book. Yeah. So I've always really loved to write. Um, I just love putting my ideas down on paper. It's a really nice outlet for me. So what I started off doing was short stories. Um, so I was just doing that in SK and I was just sending it to different anthologies and writing competitions. Um, I just really loved it. And then I, expanded to chapter books. So um, I was maybe like 100 pages. And then I expanded to novels. I think it stemmed from my love for reading because I saw the power that words can have on you. Um, And I I just loved being immersed in a book and I wanted to have that same effect on my readers. So in grade three, I wrote my first novel. It was called Underwater Paradise. It was on mermaids, pretty legit. (laughs) Then I, I kept writing books and I didn't stop writing stories. Like I was also writing stories, but more shifting toward novels. So I actually wrote quite a few novels. Um, That was like what I was consuming my time with when I was younger. I just like love to write. And then in grade six, I was like, I really want to become a published author. So I got a professional um, editor and we went through the process of editing. And I I was like, hey, I want to get this published. Then she helped me start querying agents and publishing houses. And I was like, okay, this is is awesome. I'm going to get this novel published. And so um, I I had to query like a hundred agents and it was a pretty extensive process. I was like a hundred, one of them will say yes, you know? So I get one email. It's like, you only need one, but we're not the right fit for you. I was like, okay, you're one out of 100. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then they're just rolling in their rejections. I was like, okay, (laughs) not what I was expecting. Just an influx of rejections into the inbox. It's like, okay, interesting, interesting. And you're in grade um, six so, through this entire process. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I took that and I was like, okay, it's fine. I'm going to write another book. So I went back to the drawing board. I wrote another novel. Um, and then I went through the editing process. I went through the querying process again. And then, um, so I think I wrote that in grade seven. And then I actually got a publishing contract in grade eight for that, which was really exciting because that's something I've been dreaming of since I was really little. That was always my goal to become a published author. Um, and so that was just released on February 25th. It was a pretty cool process working with the publishers, um, like, you know, the hype around the 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 cover page, things like that, and and going through the editing process again. But definitely was not an easy process and it takes a lot of perseverance and I think you really do need to love it if you are going to commit uh to it because it is pretty time consuming but I really did enjoy it um and and so I'm actually working on getting a sequel published right now as well we're in the editing phase with that with my editor and then the goal is to have another publishing contract by the end of the year so yeah we're 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 ready right now that's amazing so so how do you choose what to write about? Like what, what, what topics are you most passionate about writing about? Yeah. So 
something I do to come up with ideas is I notebook. And that's where you take around a little notebook with you wherever you go and you just write down anything interesting you see. So it could be, oh, the sunset's really pretty. Let me just write about it. Let me just describe it. Oh, I'm, this person has a really interesting outfit. Let me write about it. Or um, there's this stray rose in the middle of the street. Maybe that has a story behind it, jot it down. And so I don't really write during the year. I more write um, during the summer. And so what I'll do is I'll look at my notebook um, and I'll look at all those notes and ideas will just begin to flow. Um, and I also draw like different kind of pieces from my books or like that I read um, because, you know, there's there's so many amazing things in books, so many amazing books um, that inspire me. So I'll write down little snippets here and there. Um, and then ideas will begin to flow from there. But I love to write fantasy because I can just create my own worlds and my own creatures and, you know, just me and my imagination. People can't be like, that doesn't exist because it's fantasy. So, <laughs> that's the point. Uh, so yeah, it's just something I've always loved to write as well. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm very curious because, I mean, one thing that's very evident is that you don't take shortcuts. Like you are very willing to put in the work, right? And that ability to just grit your teeth and push through everything because you know after a certain like when you start it's fun right everything's new it's wonderful it's novel and then you know you start yeah. to do a little I mean we talked about this in the Dunning-Kruger um, episode but the, as soon as you start mm-hmm. to get a little deep into something you realize there's that friction there's an adversity where you have to actually overcome this um, this learning barrier and mm-hmm. a lot of people just stop at that point especially growing up you know like one Oh man, like I feel yeah. so bad for all the gifted kids growing up who were just, you know, promised magic and riches when they were to grow up. But then, you know, when you're growing up and you're just rewarded for this seemingly innate ability, you're not rewarded for the actual process, right? You're just rewarded for just getting everything right along the way. And for a lot of those students, you know, you, you grow up, you become an yeah. adult and things just don't come to you as easy. And because during that process of growing up, um, you were rewarded for just knowing everything rather than for the effort you put into it things just start to mm-hmm. fall apart, right? Things are so much harder. And then you're just wondering like, where did things go wrong? And it's a bit of a depressing tangent, but I'm just curious. So like, what did you see when you were growing up or what was it about the environment that, that you were in? Maybe it was just your parents were just super supportive of everything along the way, but how did you cultivate from such a young age that really good, the really good habits that you enact today? Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think definitely um, my parents were a big role in that. They always encouraged like having a strong work ethic. And if you are interested in something and you want to pursue something, then pursue it. Um, but understand that it's not always going to be easy because like you said, a lot of people, they'll get interested in it. They'll be like, hey, this is cool. And then, you know, it gets hard. There's resistance and you stop. Um, but they definitely played a key role in that. And my sister as well. She's only two years older than me, but I love her so much. She's definitely like a role model to me. Um, she, yeah, she's awesome. She's actually the one I'm going to be that. starting the, the podcast with. Um, so she's, she's pretty cool. So I would say definitely that that environment. And then my school environment as well was always saying, like, if you want to do something, you can do it. Um, like, follow your dreams, all that. So they were always like very supportive. Um, and when I started writing short stories and I said, hey, I want to get published, um, they were like, okay, let's help you, you know, 
find competitions that you can submit these stories to. And so that, I guess, is where my, my story process began. And I became interested in writing through school, you know, just through writing class when I was like five years old in SK. And that never would have happened if I wasn't in the environment that I was in. So I'm definitely very, very grateful um, and, and very lucky to, to have been surrounded by these kinds of Incredible. people. That's amazing because I, I have three sisters and I would definitely never start a podcast with them. they're amazing i love them don't get me wrong uh i absolutely love my sisters but i don't think i could start a podcast so let's dive deep into that um tell us about the podcast you're starting and tell us about uh what, you, what your ideas are for it with it yeah so our podcast is going to be targeting a younger demographic um, and it's about equipping future change makers with the skills that they need to thrive. So it's going to be educating them about these emerging technologies like AI, like blockchain, bringing in CEOs and, you know, students doing things in that field, but not only those kinds of skills, also skills like mindsets and bringing in experts on those and mental health, because that's very, very important as well. Um, so those are mindsets and and then um, just like just skills that you need in the future um, to, to help you grow. Because again, like, like you said, when you're in school, you're, you're just, you're just working for a grade, but that's not how it is in real life. And a lot of people just aren't prepared for that, or they, they aren't given the resources to, to know about that. And then they're just shocked when they get into the real world, if, if you want to call it that. So um, we just want to prepare them for <laughs> the real world um, and, and give them those those kind of skills and, and help educate them about things that are going to be making a really big impact in the future. So I think it, it'll be like a good, a good fair share between both students and adults, because we want, you know, these young people to get inspired, of course, by these um, people who they look up to, like CEOs, but also seeing other people your own age um, makes it more relatable. And there are, I just have an, ama an amazing network of kids doing awesome things all around the world so definitely we'll be bringing some TCAS students on to, to talk on that podcast but yeah it's, it's a fairly new idea I think we'll be starting it in June uh so yeah I'm just trying to watch and learn from the <laughs> professionals like you and just seeing how uh to make a <laughs> thank you I, I would hardly say we're professionals yeah. maybe maybe Damien no, but... no hardly you're better way better at this than I am <laughs> I wouldn't say that. It just takes a humble co-host to boot lift you up because it'll be rock it'll be rocky when you're starting. We were super awkward at oh, the yeah. start of it. So awkward. We yeah. actually did oh, okay. uh yeah, maybe we should put this on the podcast. We did our first episode <laughs> drunk. Um <laughs> uh not like, drunk. We were just we were like loose enough for it. Yeah, yeah, loose enough. We went for a couple of beers before uh downtown oh you were drunk. I thought you said the person was drunk. Oh no, 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 we didn't oh, even no, have no. guests on in the beginning. We were we were too scared to have okay. a guest on. So we, we had no idea what we were stuff. doing. We just popped on the mic and just started talking. Oh yeah. I told my housemate to not leave my, to not leave his room. Uh, go and, we just recorded in my living room. It was, uh, it was an experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that episode doesn't exist anymore. Though. Yeah. We removed that. <laughs> so yeah, I guess number one advice, uh, iterate. <laughs> the next, iterate we're called the next iteration rapidly. for a reason, you know, just keep iterating, uh, keep trying and, and you'll definitely get better at it. But that sounds like a really cool idea. And I love, I love the fact that you're focusing on getting students as well, because I think that's really important. We try to you know incorporate a, a wide range of guests I mean you know obviously you're on so trying to get some of the younger audiences in as well uh, but I think that that's definitely the way to go about it you want to be relatable and you want to draw on your network but you also want to you know be providing actual advice so yeah I think that's a that's a really cool mission yeah so we are getting close to time so we have one last question to ask you 
And this is a question we ask all of the guests that are co come across here. So we're very excited to hear your answer because we always get some good ones for this, but no pressure though. So <laughs> that question is, if you could put any one message on a billboard that would reach millions, even billions of people, what would that message be and why? And you can tailor this to, I mean, if you want to just do, do this message tailored to all your fellow TKS cohorts or to any, like all high school students or just everyone across the world, you can tailor however you want. Interesting. Okay. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Let me take your time. Let me process it. Yeah. Have a few ideas running through the brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I think, I think I would put the word fail on a billboard failed period failed period or just so, fail yeah fail nice yeah okay. fail, fail period because <laughs> you know if you're seeing it every day millions of people are seeing it they're like ah oh, you know maybe that's the push to go and do something unconventional because i think to do something unconventional to to reach your full potential like i said um to do these these crazy things and make a real difference if that's um what your goal is then you need to accept failure so there you go the single word maybe not an inspirational message <laughs> that's absolutely inspirational i love how you kept it succinct <laughs> it's it is it yeah. is a pretty big billboard but you know people aren't reading paragraphs out there so exactly yeah um yeah that's such a great answer and very applicable to like anybody our age if you're young i mean like there's a certain age if you have like a family relying on you maybe that's a little tougher but yeah if you're young you're uh university students high school students this is the age just to fail fast live recklessly yeah. live on a futon you know share that house with seven <laughs> other dudes it's, oh yeah I've been there, that. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's the it's the maybe not most hygienic but it's the best couple oh, of years yeah. you'll have in your life right and uh <laughs> i can't wait to just keep doing that i'm excited to see what you get up to as well like i mean like you've already accomplished so much already maybe you'll be the next elon musk or who knows what <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much for that thank you you are i can't state this enough you have been an incredibly probably one of the most eloquent if not the most eloquent speaker that we've had on this podcast so far so oh that's you're up there competing with the beat so you got to tell him to yeah. stay on his toes because because <laughs> yeah. honestly you were more well-spoken than he was but <laughs> you gotta step up yeah um is there anything you want to promo shout out where can people reach you if they would like to follow up and chat yeah um I mean, just like follow me on my platforms. You can subscribe to my newsletter if you want. You can check out my book if you want. <laughs> um, but like LinkedIn is <laughs> LinkedIn is like where I'm most active. And then also I write articles on Medium as well. Um, if you want to check out some of my articles on projects that I've done. Um, and then I also have a Twitter account. Don't check it that frequently. But, you know, those are the main places that you can reach me. Love awesome. And we'll link that in the episode description as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Once again, thank, thank you so much you. for coming on, Ella. Thank you so much for having me. It's been incredible. If you liked the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. Thank you for listening. Think you got it? Nah, we're on the next iteration. <laughs>